0: I am here today, back with another episode at the intersection. Today, I am here with Paige Finn Doherty. I know you grew up in a household that celebrates the intersection of art and technology, which is kind of the ethos of this show. So welcome. At 24 years old, Paige is the founding partner at Behind Genius Ventures, where they invest in the work in where they invest in the future of work and where they invest in the future of play. Paige wrote a children's book for adults called Seed to Harvest that explores venture capital in an approachable way. She has her own podcast, also called Seed to Harvest, where she interviews other cool VCs and creators. Paige has been featured in Forbes 30 Under 30 and all type of other cool stuff we'll get into. Welcome, Paige, to the intersection.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Matt. And thank you, sir, for such a kind intro. It's always funny to hear yourself get introduced in the third person. (laughs) I'm like, dang, yeah, I I guess I have done all that. (laughs) Uh, So thanks for having me on. I'm excited to chat.
0: Whether it's like random tweets online or YouTube comments, there are people that think running a fund at your age must have some kind of catch to it. And mm. from my perception, mm-hmm. like, it seems like this has been a ongoing thing that has caused you a decent amount of, like, annoyance. <laughs> and I'm not asking you to prove anything, but let's say all your critics were, like, in an audience right now and you were, like, at the podium. What would, what would you say to them?
1: Mm. Well, it's funny. I mean there are definitely those critics and there's also like me doing my tax returns that are like 3,000 pages and like at no point in me doing my tax returns do I feel like there's like a catch-22 to me doing it. Um, but I, I think like in terms of speaking to the critics, I think it's important to like put the work that I've done into context. Like three years ago I was a college senior hanging out online and like I truly still am this but I was like a student of venture and I was just genuinely super interested in like financial architecture and how do I support early stage entrepreneurs um, and so like building BGV has been an extension of me continuing to learn more and more about venture and I'm like still very much on that path and so I'm not going to be like perfect and I don't claim to be in any, like, sense of the word. Um, But I do think that, um, actually, I went to this really great talk, and I'm forgetting the guy's name, but I went to this talk at Forbes Under 30, and I remember this guy, he was speaking about going to Harvard and teaching, like, a speech and debate class, and I remember him talking about his experience like looking around and just being like why me like why am I in this privileged position why like was I the one chosen he also had faced critics um and what one thing he said that was really powerful is like it was never about me you know it could have been like anyone else that that could have done this but i think that it was about like the people that i empower to start venture firms start podcasts feel like they can like trust their own voices and um and really like dig into who they are as people and so i think like sometimes when i can get too in my head about the critics or whatever um i like go back to that and i love like hearing stories about how people like started their own fun like my my old bosses when I was an intern I had coffee with them over the summer and they're like yeah like no offense Paige but like if you did it anyone can do it and I was like okay like thank you very nice sentiment like weirdly worded um, but I, I do think that is true like I'm an example of like someone who you know went to SCSU, studied computer science didn't really like look the part of a traditional VC and like quite frankly I'm not building a traditional venture firm so I, I think that like everyone has something unique inside of them so just like figuring out what that is bring it to life hmm.
0: it sounds like you're saying that Whatever people think, even if they feel like your situation makes them feel whatever kind of way. There was still a very unconventional aspect to what you did.
1: Yeah, and I and I think there there like still is for sure. And I'm like I, I would say I was I was listening to this great like Jane Fonda interview with Alex Cooper who runs the podcast Call Her Daddy and she was um she was she was kind of like <laughs> which like them. Alex is great. I started listening to her podcast when Wait, she you was know her? like well, she—I don't know her personally, but we sat like she was the same year of Forbes Under Thirty as me, and it was funny because she sat like in the same director's chair to talk about her work because we were both um, standouts. She was for media, I was for venture, um, so I think she was like interviewed right before me. Yeah, but um, she was was talking about her experience in like a very similar matter on that. But yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like okay, it's okay. So uh, oh oh. Oh, go go ahead. ahead. Go ahead.
0: Oh, getting into Behind Genius, how do you define the future of work and the future of play? And then looking forward, what are you personally excited about in the future of work and the future of play?
1: Mm. I mean, I think my answer to this is like in the title of our venture firm behind Genius Ventures, like we don't define the future of work and the future of play. Like the founders that we back, the genius founders that we back are the ones that are like redefining what the future of that looks like. Um, I think some of the investment themes I'm really excited about are creator tools. So how can creators like build, monetize, create sustainable businesses based on building communities online, um, holistic well, like health and wellness, um, gaming, and then fintech. So I'd say those are some of the areas that I've really focused on in terms of investing. But at the end of the day, it really comes down to like the founders that we back. Many of them have experienced the same pain point that they're solving for, and their passion is just like so... Magnetic, And that's what I really look for in terms of a founder who I'm super excited to back is like really magnetic has experienced the problem that they're solving for and great execution velocity can like, you know, ad- adapt their direction of like where they want to go. And then like go at that direction with like very high levels of execution speed so that they can figure out whether or not their hypothesis is right. Um, but mm. Yeah, so I would say it's like more defined by the founders that I choose to back than than anything else. But I could go on and on about creator tools. I think that space is like super interesting.
0: There there's a couple I don't I don't know which direction to go in. There's like the I remember you posted some some video about like early two thousands games and like Club Penguin and Adventure yeah. Quest and I, I was born in two thousand, so I remember all this stuff very vividly. And uh, I wanna I want to ask you either about that, like your passion for, or your insight into why you thought gaming was a place you could invest in. But then you Mm -hmm. said this passion that you look for in founders. And I've seen founders who have this passion, but they also have this other stuff that like underneath the passion, that's a little like Elizabeth Holmes, for example, or a founder who I won't name, who I'm thinking about very specifically recently, who's gone through a big like turmoil. Okay, we'll we'll talk about gaming first. Why do you, <laughs> <laughs> why why what is it, what, is it, what is it what is it about gaming that excites you?
1: Mm, well, I feel like that sense of connection, and I feel like this is also coming from like you know I was born in ninety eight, so like I I broke my wrist when I was like in seventh grade, and so I spent like probably a month at home, and I was just playing like Line Rider and Cool Math games and Club Penguin and Adventure Quest and all these games. I was just like so interested in it was so like interesting to participate in a reality where i feel like different styles of games whether they're like Um, massive multiplayer like role-playing games or they're like first-person shooter or they're like building games where you're like building up um like uh oh my god what was dragon veil i think that it was what it was called i played that a lot um i think that like different people are like really talented at like different games and so i feel like it's a really interesting way for folks who might not be as confident in their skills to like build up confidence and skills in like Mm -hmm. a specific game Um, and it's kind of similar to the way that I viewed Twitter, like in the early days, like I, like Twitter as a Mm. game, like I was good, I was good at, like I'm a writer, um, and I really enjoy like building community and it was like all these people that I look up to and I was like, you mean I can just like DM them and say like, hi, what's up? Big fan of your work. Uh, that's so cool. Um, so I think that like gaming for me has been a passion and then my brothers are both big gamers. So They're, um, like, 22 and 20, so they're very much, like, gaming a lot with their friends, and I feel like it brings them a sense of community when they have friends that have gone to college in different places, Um, and so I think there's, like, games you can play by yourself, games that you can play with existing friends that's just, like, an extension of your offline friendship, and then there's, like, games where you can find... Excuse me, like, new friends um, online, which I would say, like, Twitter's pretty similar to that, or it has been for me, um, and, like, my brother plays Rocket League all the time, but I'm really interested in, like, gaming infrastructure and, like, what are the... Mm-hmm. The layers that enable new technology to come through So, like a couple of the investments we made were like Avron, which is a game based rowing machine. And then, um, the last game board, which is a digital tabletop gaming platform. I think hardware in the gaming space is really interesting. Um, I studied mechanical engineering and I know how difficult it is to build like a working prototype. Um, it's just such a different iterative cycle than it is to build a software product. But I think that there's something, like physical things have spiritual weight and I feel like to interact with um, a game in that way can be a really special experience. So, yeah.
0: Hmm. Interesting. So you, you mentioned something really interesting to me when I was doing research about how you've always been curious about how the world works from mm-hmm. physical things starting with mechanical engineering to computers with, uh, with coding and software engineering. And then venture you see as this abstraction of learning how to help founders create stuff and how the world works. And I was like, whoa, when I heard that, could you please elaborate on venture being an abstraction of learning how entrepreneurial success works? Cause that's like mm-hmm. pff, concept to <laughs>
1: yeah I th- well, I think it was really interesting. like, look, it's like really easy to construct a narrative looking back. So this is like definitely not how I saw it like going through. I was kind of just like in college exploring my different interests. and this is the narrative that I chose to overlay on that. Um, so it all kind of like came together nicely. So I think that's important to keep in context. But I started out in mechanical engineering, which is like discovering how physical things are built and put together, how systems work together. Um, I worked at Northrop Grumman, so the machines that I was working on were, like, you know, massive autonomous vehicles, which was really interesting. Um, And then I ended up switching to computer science because I saw the leverage that computer science um, gave to, you know, machines that were, like, big physical machines. Um, And also the the ramifications of software in like a purely abstract way where there's like no physical element of it, which I thought was really interesting. Um, And so I just like continued to explore that. And then I joined an entrepreneurship program and I feel like Okay, there's like a, a level of abstraction even further than that, where it's like okay, you're not just building a machine or a software, like you're building a company, and that comes with many different like factors of which like software and hardware can be one. Um, and then like a layer of abstraction above that would be like venture funds, where you're constructing a portfolio of these different companies um, that entrepreneurs are building. And so I think it, it it's like because now I run a venture firm now I'm able to like see down through those different levels and because I participated as like an individual contributor in those different areas it's really interesting to like dig deeper into some of the details where I have technical fluency like I I studied CS and I I worked as a for a year as a developer success engineer at WorkOS, um so I didn't have like you know a decade of experience but um but I knew enough to ask like Questions about like the technology that I was investing in, um, but yeah, I, I think like right. that abstraction layer is pretty interesting. Does that answer your question?
0: Yeah, it answers it. So, you were you were and maybe still are a, a big fan of Vic Mensa.
1: Mm-hmm. Save money, gang. So.
0: <laughs> I'm grateful to, to have met him and, and know some people who are close in my life who are really close to him. Like, shout out to Kamisha Moxley. That's really my people's. That's his personal assistant. Uh, Londie Germain keeps Siegel. She's out in LA. She's been with the OG Vic Mensa team forever. I've only met her like once and I just talked with her online. Uh, but anyway, you're from San Diego. And Vic Mensa is super, super, super underrated. But that being said. He doesn't have the largest fan base compared to the other artists in his stratosphere, and yet Mm -hmm. he was one of your favorite artists as if you were, like, from Chicago.
1: So how did you
0: discover Vic... Yeah. um yeah.
1: how did I discover Vic that's a good question I feel like well like first off it's important to preface this with like I thought I was going to manage rappers like I was for sure that was like the path I was going down <laughs> um, when did you have is, that thought I, I like all through college I planned like a bunch of events I actually planned um with like a group of my friends a music festival that had like a $300,000 budget at CSU. we booked hmm. Vic Mensa for the openers Whoa, that what? was yeah, it was cool. I got to meet him um like very briefly, but it was it was cool to like see that come full circle. Um but I started like interviewing a bunch of artists. So I was going to shows for free, which was sick, and I would take my like camera that would work like half the time and be like, I'm shooting this for my music newsletter. That like my mom reads, but, but um, it was it was like a really interesting period, and I I remember finding um, Vic's music at a at a really like challenging point in my life. Um, he has a song like called "There's a Lot Going On," and his like lyricism when he was describing things that were going on in his life just th- they were like so raw, and he's just such a powerful storyteller that I. I just thought his music was really interesting. I was actually tutoring someone and um, they were assigned to write a paper on um, the situation in Flint with, like, the, the water crisis, and Vic had written a song about it, so I actually, like, gave my, um, like, pupil <laughs> the song to listen to, and so he wrote his whole paper on it. Um, but I, <laughs> I, Really? Yeah, yeah. I, th- I mean, I think he's just, like, a, an incredible translator. I haven't followed his work as closely as I did in, like, 2017, 2018, Um, but I, I think he's just like a very powerful storyteller and translator. Um, so yeah. yeah. I interviewed Cause, who's kind of like in a similar, well, he's like, he was on the Dreamville label when I interviewed him, but I feel like they're like quite similar in like artistic style, like very like lyrically oriented. I think it's also a bit challenging when you're like an artist that's very lyrically oriented because I do think it is a bit more challenging to make like party bangers. To
0: make lit music. Yeah,
1: I'm like, I'm not necessarily (laughs) going to put on like a Vic Menza song in the club. (laughs) I'm going to like listen to it on my like (laughs) drive home or something when I'm like in my field. Yeah,
0: this is a common dilemma with many, many, many artists. I could go on and on and on about that topic anyway. So like you said, um, you, you have this background in mechanical engineering and computer science and being super technical and I've met other founders over the years who've built ventures with the goal of helping more young girls feel excited about tech. Mm -hmm. So similarly to why you wrote seed to harvest, making things more approachable what does Paige think is needed today to get more young girls excited about tech?
1: Mm, well, I feel like a big a big thing for me was just, like, meeting people that were doing cool things. Like, I remember when I got into mechanical engineering, I started learning more about, like, what being an Imagineer was. And it was like, what? You get to, like, build roller coasters? And I think that, like, making <laughs> making the connection between... Things that you see or use or look up to in like your everyday life are built by people who look like you. I think that the like just having more female role models is really important. That's why I think like the rise of the creator economy is really interesting because there's like all these different niches. Hmm. Um and some like really interesting like tech influencers who have been transparent about like their kind of like what what the industry is like and just like what people actually do. Like the transition between going from like high school or college to working is really like you kind of don't know what to expect like you might have been on a couple tours of an office or someone might have come in to talk to your class but it is really like a very abrupt transition um so yeah I, I feel like more representation and then just like more insight into like what what it actually is what it actually means to like be an engineer or computer scientist um, or like software engineer
0: that's a simple, straightforward, and really great answer. So, what does your day-to-day life look like if behind genius? Like what did you do this week?
1: What did I do this week? <laughs> I spent a lot of time with like founders and investors, which was really nice. So it was like quite community oriented, um, working with some founders who are going out to raise. I would say like one of our, the two biggest pillars is like, I help founders tell better stories and build stronger communities. Um, and so most of my calls like orient around that on like, how can I tell this story better or like better from a visual perspective? How can I get it to resonate with like a larger variety of people or investors or customers or employees? Um, And then the other part of that is like community. So it's like thinking about how do you, like you have this community feedback, how do you parse through it? Or how do you get more community feedback? And now that we backed um, like 33 companies to date, there's a lot of really interesting insights that I can pull from. Yeah, pull from like across the portfolio where it's like, oh, this founder is like going through the process of evaluating or or like getting um, like a debt term sheet. and they are doing that in conjunction with racing around and like how do they think about going through that and so i think it's been really helpful to draw on the insights of like the other founders that we've backed now um and then i've been making some content i've started posting more on tiktok which has been really fun and then i would say like the day to day of running a venture firm is kind of like i did some some reference calls for an investment um I don't know. It's it's always it's always different, but it's like very relationship oriented. So I find a lot of times like I'm I'm like calling an investor who I value their opinion. I have a question to ask them. I'm very much like a community top venture capitalist. So I feel like I just spend a lot of time like asking people questions and, and for advice. And I think that that was something that I um, just like was really important to me in, in continuing my career, even though like I run a venture firm now. I still like ask for help all the time.
0: Very cool. So going off on a kind of unrelated tangent, you mentioned this idea of subconscious beliefs that can seep in when you see someone else achieve like this conventionally recognized goal and still Mm -hmm. be unhappy. And that kind of like deter you from that goal. Like someone who's rich but miserable and oh, what if that happens to me? So how do you try to remind yourself that how you are is like you're making
1: yeah I, I think this is challenging and like i'm not 100 percent sure of like the demographic of folks that are listening but like for a lot of young people i feel like they suffer from imposter syndrome um i think this is something where i did something called shadow work so like julia cameron wrote this incredible book called the artist's way Um, and one of the exercises in it is to do shadow work. And so it's like finding out, basically you write out a bunch of affirmations. Like I am successful. I have a healthy relationship with my family. I have a great relationship with my partner. I have a great relationship with my friends. Um, you know, like, like all these affirmations and then see, when you write them down you have to write out like the negative blurts that your subconscious will be like oh actually this is this is wrong this is wrong um and then you you look at those and and you like evaluate them on like where did this negative thought come from is it someone in my like circle is it myself is it experience that i had when i was a child that i never evaluated um i'm like very lucky to have an executive coach which is like by far, I was of, like, the fun, one of the best investments that I've made in myself. Um, and she really helped me go through, like, a lot of this shadow work and where I was feeling resistant. So I would say I would, like, definitely recommend that work. And it, it's, like, it is work. Like, that is a challenging thing to look at where you're, you're seeing resistance. Um, but I think that was really helpful because I was able to see, like, okay, there's examples of people who um who i know like are successful but unhappy but there's also like examples of people that i know that are successful and and really happy and like have great relationships with their family um and so is that a belief that i want to carry into this next period of my life like not really because what happens when you have those negative blurts is that you'll begin to like self-sabotage um, where if you think that if your like core belief is that if you get successful that you will be unhappy, then you'll start to sabotage yourself on the way to success because you don't want to be unhappy. Um, so I think that doing shadow work is really impactful for me.
0: That's a really interesting concept. I think it's worth like experimenting with. <laughs> yeah. Um, you have a big passion for writing. Like you said earlier, you get a lot of joy out of the impact your writing has on people. Tell us about... Page's love for writing
1: um sure I mean I think it starts with journaling I think that um journaling has been something I've been doing since I was really young and I feel like it's such an interesting expression of like who you are to go back and like read journal entries from when I was like 15 or 18 or like 20 and just like see um you know what was I what was I thinking about then what was I worried about like is that still valid now like how have I changed. And then like kind of taking those insights and writing about them has been really helpful. I would say it's kind of split into personal and educational has really been like my two lines of writing. So I've written a lot of like educational content around venture because I just like, quite frankly, didn't find it when I was like building BGV or running my first syndicate in 2020. Um, there just wasn't, I just couldn't find it. I was like, can someone write like mm-hmm. for, right? you know, someone who's like me, who like doesn't know all the jargon, please. <laughs> and so I've just like taken that. And I also try and write like um, a lot of like emerging managers or investors um, will ask me questions. And then I'll try and like if I get a question like five times, I'll try and like write it down and like spend time to like think about how I'd want to answer it. Answered and like what what angles can I approach that from?
0: That's cool. That's that's how I approach content. It's either personal or it's educational. Mm-hmm. That was dope. Um, You tell this... When, when you're describing your life story to people, like during interviews and stuff, when I was doing research, you tend to tell this plot line of a moment where you made a bunch of specific goals, including writing a book, starting a venture firm, mm-hmm. uh, being in Forbes 30 under 30, etc. Which you... It, Actualized. So I'm really curious about how you set goals because I personally find it really difficult to commit to specific plans because I feel life is just too dynamic and unpredictable for that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, I think. um Well, I read like The Secret. It was um, it was an assignment in my like <laughs> entrepreneurship class, and it talked about like making vision boards and having specific goals. And I was like, okay, can I curse on this? Is that allowed?
0: Yeah, you can say whatever. The okay, fuck you I want.
1: was like. this is some woo-woo bullshit like what like and then I started doing it and it was working because I think like part of the part of the important part about making goals is just like if you look at them every day you're like okay what like tiny step can I take and I think um you know who can I ask about like what are the steps to take like when I was thinking about Forbes 30 under 30 I um i applied to like go as a scholar to the conference i tried to like meet as many like listers as possible i tried to ask them about their process and then once i had asked like 30 40 people how they got on the list i was like oh okay like You know, you have to have a unique story. You have to, like, know other people that have been on the list that will nominate you. And not in a way where you're just, like, the only contact you ever have with them is, like, hey, can you nominate me for this list? It's, like, build Mm -hmm, genuine mm -hmm, connections. mm -hmm. And they're also, like, they're dope people. Like, they've done really interesting things. Um, And then you have to have, like, a unique story. And then, like, um, execution velocity as well. Like, uh, they look a lot at, like, how much you've accomplished in a short amount of time. Um, so I think, like, going through those steps, I was kind of like, okay, here's, like, some different steps. And I think I had actually written out, like, what my steps were to get on Forbes uh, 30 Under 30. And I pretty much, like, got, like, I got through them. But then um, running, like, an investment firm became really, like, my main, like, goal and role. Um, and so I think when actually actually like, got to that point in time, it was much less, like, I wasn't, like architecting someone nominating me it was like one of our lps reached out and they're like hey can like can i nominate you and it was just like this very casual conversation it wasn't like um me asking asking about it or Paige, anything
0: you have been selected for the
1: yeah exactly um and yeah so I, I wrote three post-it notes when i was 19 and i put them on my wall and i looked at them every day and i just it, it took me four years to like accomplish them so Um, I would say like, I had them in mind as I was going through my day, I had them in mind as I was Mm -hmm. talking to other people and they were asking what help I needed. I just like had that clear vision. And I think like, if you don't have that clear vision, like your goal should be just like, find out what my purpose is and just put that on a post-it note on your wall and just look at it. And it doesn't have to be something that you act on immediately. Just like, if you think about it once every day, that's like more than thinking about it every couple days or, you know, whatever. You just put in an obvious place in in your room or your bathroom or whatever. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I I feel like it's it's been like a very powerful exercise like actually this office i i put i had like a reminder in my email so it was like office with breville coffee machine um which is very specific and i really don't know why i picked the breville but i feel like a lot of people i looked up to had that so i was like okay i feel like i want one so here's the breville in in my background um but i put that in
0: you did it again
1: yeah and i did it here i am um and I think that it took a bunch of steps to get there and it was like a a very I think that also the other thing about goals is like they're very proactive. It's hard to be like just you know they drop out of the universe and they happen. It's like continuing to take the proactive steps to work towards that and just having a post-it note that you're looking at every day is really helpful. So. Yeah, I guess like mine this That's year. That's a great answer. Yeah, it's like, mm-hmm. I was gonna say like mine this go year, ahead, just like ahead. journal every day, and then like embrace my femininity because I think that it's um, it's it's just like a very male dominated industry, and I think there is um, mm-hmm. has been like traditionally pressure to like act in a certain way, um, and so I wanted to like embrace that more. Yeah.
0: Like, you gotta be, like, girl boss. But when they say girl boss, it's like, you gotta be girl... You gotta be, like, girl, like, fight your way through and... Like I don't. I'm. I'm. Tr- I'm trying to choose my words carefully because. Mm, no, I, um, I think like. The, you,
1: well, I guess mm. like a big part of it is just like how emotional that I want to be in business, and I think like for me, emotions are really important in like my investing practice, the way I hold space for founders, the way that I connect with people, and so I think for me, it was like more um, a reflection of that, and then also just like. I don't know, taking like more dance classes and like being more creative and like opening myself up to connections with people. I think that those are some of the things that I was thinking about when I wrote that.
0: Like sensual and expressive. And I think these things have a very amazing role in business that definitely go...
1: Yeah, exactly, uh, and it's like there's only eleven, eleven percent of partners and venture firms are women. Two percent of like fund managers are women. So I was like, I don't know. I feel like if I like dig into that more and like find out the way that I can uniquely express that through my business, it also yeah. like it makes it more of a clear uh, vision for what I'm building. So yeah,
0: yeah, that's awesome.
1: Vibes. That's awesome. I'll keep you updated.
0: please please keep me updated um you said that um anyone from any background can get into venture which i agree but to uh play devil's advocate like i don't think people from unconventional backgrounds are as likely to get into venture unless they see it as something not just approachable yes cool is is that what you said
1: yeah exactly right
0: (laughs) right right So how do you think interesting like young people, like yourself, ourself, can push venture into a rebranding of being more cool? You know what I'm saying? So that it becomes automatically more inclusive.
1: Yeah, I mean like I was joking with my chief staff about this, but like Jordan's as, um, as a uniform is kind of like one of the things that i was suggesting it was funny i was like at the forbes conference and both riley and i were wearing jordans and someone walked up to us and they're like oh like do you run a consumer company whatever and we were like no like we you know we it's a venture fund and they're like what and i don't know like i feel like i've always been in a street style and that goes into like working in music and being really interested in that um so i mean i think And then also like through my content, just being, being a 24 year old, like, yeah, I, I, you know, I run BGV and manage like 10 million plus in AUM, but like, I'm also 24. So why should I like act my age in that way? Um, I think that that like makes it a lot more approachable. And I think that there's some like really cool venture firms as well. Like some of the ones in like the consumer space, um, like, I think, uh, Night Ventures is super interesting. My friend Emily Herrera over there is, um, is really cool, but it's, like, Mr. Beast Venture Arm. Um, I think that, like, a lot of people are doing things that are cool. They might just not be talked about as broadly. So, I want to, like, share those stories through my podcast. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, like, I hope to, like, contribute to the cool, the coolness factor of BC, <laughs> um, but uh, I
0: think I think you will.
1: Yeah, TBD. Um, I think yeah, and I think just like as a young person digging into the vibes of like what is cool and interesting and expressing that in a more broad fashion versus like trying to wrap yourself into a stereotypical, you know, here's what's worked in the past.
0: Why do you think people see venture as boring or maybe like excludingly prestigious or? I mean, I guess there are obvious answers, but what you said a moment ago is that there are pockets of people in venture that are doing cool stuff, but it's not really visible or seen as often. Yeah,
1: I mean, like, if you think about it, it's a pretty small industry. Like, how many, like, other industries are, like, way bigger? There's, like, 10,000 venture firms, and, like, the average team size is, like, pretty small, I would guess. I don't know what it is, but I would guess, like, 5 to 10 people. Um, And so I think there's just, like, genuinely not that many people in venture genuinely not that many people in venture like making content there have been a bunch of shows about venture um but respectfully i don't know if any of them have made venture seem really cool i watched silicon valley and i thought that it was really interesting (laughs) i think it was it was more like having like strong female role models um but i would love to like see a show that makes venture seem cool That's, like, something I would be interested in. I would definitely watch that. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I think it's, like, it's a small industry. It's growing. There have been more economic outcomes, which allows for more people to start venture firms that might not have been able to in the past. There are, like increasingly um, breaking down barriers of like technology. So, you know, with AngelList and Carta, it's like less expensive than ever to start a fund. It is still like quite a big, like financial undertaking to start a fund. Um, but I think that those those have definitely like lessened the cost. Um, and then I think as well, uh, like the internet, like Twitter for me was a big part of how we raised like fund one it's like half our investors came from Twitter and like my shit posts and educational content. So I think that um, like there are a lot of things moving in the right direction, but you also have to think about like the fun life cycle is usually seven to ten years. So turnover in venture takes a long time. Um, so I think I think it's like changing slowly, but I do think like everyone's been super genuine and like open to answering questions that I have. It's more just like. There is a bit of a, uh, I would say, like a language barrier. There's a lot of jargon in venture. So you kind of have to like, There, there is like, um, there is a certain etiquette that's implicit that once you understand it, it's much easier to like, move through the venture world, I would say.
0: Well, thank you so much to wrap this up. How can people connect with Paige? And to answer your question earlier about not knowing who the demographics of this show are, it's it's basically people into tech and business and into the like creative and arts realms is there anyone you'd be interested in connecting with in any industry like a like a like a agriculture tech farmer who's like making the next best tractors or like uh i don't know i guess more relevant to behind genius but blah 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 i'm saying so much <laughs> um
1: i don't know if i have anyone like specific in mind but i've been spending a lot of time in like the creator tool space so if you're like building creator tools i would love to chat um I don't think anyone specific. I mean the first person that came to mind was like he uh, unfortunately has passed but like Virgil Abloh, I would say it's like one of my biggest inspirations. So, I feel like if I could talk to him that would be lit, but unfortunately he is no longer with us. So.
0: There are people like him coming up.
1: Yeah, so if the the next Virgil for sure.
0: The next Virgil. Yeah. Um cool. How can people contact you? How can they get in touch?
1: Um, I'm on the internet. So page Finn on Twitter with three N's and then, um, on TikTok, I'm seed to harvest and I have a podcast called seed to harvest. We publish like weekly episodes with, um, mostly like venture capitalists and some founders and creators. Um, that's on like Apple music and Spotify and wherever you like listening to podcasts. Um, but yeah, I think I'm funniest on Twitter. So I would recommend there.
0: All right. Thank you so much, Paige. I really appreciate it. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. And yeah, thank you for the time.
1: Thanks so much, Matt. You too.
0: Wow. Thanks for watching if you made it all the way to the end. If you want to get in contact with Paige, her socials are in the description and Matt's are as well. Take care.